Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the We have Mama Psychologists. Caitlin and Chelsea, founders and creators of Mama Psychologists. They are two registered psychologists in Alberta, Canada, but more importantly, they are two best friends and moms to four kids, five and under. They help parents navigate the difficult transition into parenthood, from trying to conceive to navigating those tricky toddler years and beyond. They offer real-life tips and tricks in a supportive community. This episode hit home for me as someone who has two kids, a beautiful little Rickster of almost four years old, and little dude, the Max, turning one, and the idea of postpartum and the anxiety and depression that can come from it, as well as the way we can support our people through the change and adjustment to life that is inevitable when having kids that I don't think is often talked about as much for men, which is why I got into doing the podcast and posting a lot more, was having a panic attack after the Rickster was born. So let's talk about postpartum and how to deal with it in a smarter, healthier, more supportive, loving way. Let's get right into it. Welcome to this week's episode of The Dude Therapist. We have Caitlin, who is from Mama Psychologist's all about postpartum expertise. And, you know, I'm super excited about it because I I got two kids, you know, uh, and I'm a therapist and I understand the ins and outs of postpartum, but not really. And I think a lot of people don't truly understand what it really is all about. So Caitlin, can you introduce yourself and what you and Chelsea do so beautifully? Yes. So my name is Caitlin Slavins. I'm a registered psychologist in Lethbridge, Alberta, Canada, and I specialize in working with parents, both mom and dad, postpartum, and and parents also later on as their kiddos get a little bit older and into some more challenging behaviors. So I work both postpartum and then also like later on in those tricky and trying toddler years. Ooh, maybe I should ask my questions about my child, you know, three and a half years <laughs> old uh, and uh, turning into a, a little uh, a no monster over here. And uh, mm-hmm. it's uh, fun times. So mm-hmm. it's funny because before I became a parent, um, as a therapist, I really didn't like get involved or understand parenting as much. And I had my preconceived notions as a single guy, a newly married guy about all these things. And as I became a therapist, I started looking more into parenting. And it's such a beautiful, amazing thing that now... I specialize in parenting myself too. So mm-hmm. I, I love it. What pushed you or in that direction of you of you and and Chelsea to kind of like take on this monster of an awesome? Yeah. yeah. So I really think like Chelsea and I, we both are our moms. We have between the two of us, we have four kids, five and under. And when I started um, my mental health registration process as a psychologist. I was interested in in children's mental health and just understanding that. I remember I always wanted to to be a school counselor, um, kind of rescue the kid that gets bullied, you know, that like savior thing. Uh, but the more that I kind of got experience, the more that I just wanted to do private practice with kids. School counseling, they are superheroes, but it's it's just not for me. So I worked with a lot of kids, um, did my practicum, did my registered hours, did some trauma-based play therapy, all that type of stuff. And then I would see kiddos that would like shift and change. And then kids that it just, 
you know what, no matter how hard we worked, things never shifted or, or changed. And then once you unpack that, it's like, what goes on at home? What's the environment? What are they living with? What what are the parenting styles, right? That are kind of keeping this, this child like stuck or in that constant state of like fight flight. And what's the difference between the kids that are flourishing? And once you unpack it, it's like, okay, what goes on at home is so, so important. We can only do so much in the therapy hour, but what else is going on for these little kiddos? So I worked with kids for about four or five years, and then I became pregnant and had my own little guy, which was um, a journey in itself. And and I thought, I'm like, oh, okay, like I worked with kids for years. Like I got this under control. I know what I'm doing. I've seen some not great parents. So, <laughs> and then I've also seen some really great parents. So I'm like, okay, I have the skills and the tools. I know how to be a, like a great parent. I have this mastered, which was fine for a kid that's like four or five, not a newborn. (laughs) So then I had my little guy and I just felt very unprepared and like blindsided. I guess slapped in the face is probably a good, a good descriptor. Uh, I just wasn't prepared for the postpartum mental health struggles that came along after, after having a baby. And even though I was a psychologist, I'm like, why is nobody like, why did I not know? Why does nobody really talk about postpartum anxiety? And this was like 2017, kind of like pre uh, social media, Instagram, kind of education platforms, things like that. So there really wasn't a ton. Like we had Google, which I mean, I went down the Google rabbit hole quite a <laughs> few times, but I just felt that there wasn't a lot of education or information out there for moms in the postpartum period. And then I'll talk a little bit about Chelsea's story because she, her story into motherhood is very, very unique, but she had her little guy. He was uh, very premature. He came into the world in a hurry at 27 weeks gestation. So he was fast and furious and they were in the a neonatal intensive care unit in Calgary. So two hours away from home for about three months. So there was some scary times. This was their first baby and they were kind of thrown into this world of NICU life for the first three months. So we both had kind of a trying introduction to motherhood. So we were friends for years before, both being psychologists were like, holy moly, we were not prepared for this. And we were thinking like, wouldn't it be cool if we kind of teamed up and had like a little bit of a a platform on social media? Like we're like nothing big, just a couple thousand followers around like our community. So we get known as people that specialize in postpartum mental health. So we did, we did that beginning of 2020 and then we had the pandemic and everything just kind of blew up from there. And people were really struggling mental health wise, parenting wise. And we really found a good sense of community within our platform. And we were Mm -hmm. able to share kind of our own story and our own struggles and and education within that platform. That's amazing. uh, No, I think one of the things that's so interesting, I had a conversation with someone recently, we just bought a house. And when you buy a house, like they have all this paperwork you have to sign and, and just like hundreds and hundreds of, of, of checks and balances to make sure that you are fit to get a loan and have mm-hmm. a house. 
And they don't do that for human life. They just go, okay, good luck. And then you leave the, you know, the hospital. And one of the reasons that, that drew me to your account is not postpartum my wife. It was postpartum anxiety in me. Yeah. I had, mm-hmm. ma- I had my first panic attack ever was two months into my daughter's life. Yeah. And I was like, I'm a therapist. I should know how to deal with this. Like, what's wrong with me? All this like self-criticism. Mm-hmm. And I started getting very open and understanding of the idea of postpartum in men and absolutely it's such a different world because postpartum is assumed to be in the women. Why can we just back up for a second and yeah. talk about what postpartum is and maybe why or some theories behind what happens to either create or cause mm-hmm. or, you know, have that occur. Absolutely. So postpartum is that year period after baby comes into the world. Perinatal is pregnancy and postpartum. So I like to use perinatal because it is a little more all-encompassing, but it also means postpartum too. But it is that shift in identity, right? So if you think about how drastically things things change before a baby, you're able to have a lot of control over your schedule. You could like sleep when you needed to, eat when you needed to. You had such a, gr- a great deal of control, but fast forward to now you have a little human life, right? That And you've probably never been in charge of anything so precious and important before. So some anxiety, when we talk about anxiety in the postpartum period, is it's normal, right? Anxiety can be there for, for a reason. It motivates us. It lets us know like, okay, we need to protect our child. But when it becomes so big and so all-encompassing that it's starting to interfere with your with your day-to-day life, like I've had moms that they refuse to drive. They don't drive anywhere because there's that fear of getting into an accident or they don't walk down the stairs with baby. They like slide on their butts because they have these thoughts that like, oh my gosh, what if I drop baby? So there's anxiety that that's normal. And that comes along with just being, being a new mom. And then there's also that anxiety that's like really big that's interfering with your with your day-to-day functioning too so it's important to look at okay is this kind of like normal like parent anxiety or is this like bigger is this something that like my coping mechanisms aren't like dealing with well you know uh, someone has a theory that i heard recently about postpartum and i was waiting and so excited to talk to you about this idea that some people believe that it's not just the adjustment of life, but also maybe it could be a physical response, like the loss of so much blood, low iron. Mm-hmm. Is that something that's true? Is that a true statement? Well, absolutely. Like the the hormone drop, right? The adrenaline dump that happens afterwards. I know after I had my my second, like she she came out and I started uncontrollably shaking. Like just shaking so much and mm-hmm. I could not like stop it. I tried wow. to and and then I posted about it. Like, I mean, this was years later on our platform and we had so many people say like, oh wow. my God, this happened to me. I didn't know what the heck was going on. Mm-hmm. And also at that time, I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know, is this normal? Is this like abnormal? Like I'm shaking so much. They're trying to put my baby on my chest. Like I just didn't want her on me because I, I was feeling so uncomfortable. Yeah. I remember really standing out and just not really knowing like what the heck was going on. 
Mm-hmm. It was happening. I didn't ask, but then also like nobody said like, yes, like this is, this is normal. The shaking is very, very normal. Your body mm-hmm. just went through an incredible like trauma. Like there's so yeah. much adrenaline like surging through. This is normal. Right. So yes, the hormone like shifts are huge. And that's a big reason for like the baby blues that, Oh, I can't remember. I think it's around 80 to 90% of women experience baby blues for the first Mm -hmm. three weeks after, after baby is born. And and this is normal, right? It's the hormone shifts. It's the lack of sleep. It's that your body just went through this huge, incredible trauma. But the difference with baby blues and postpartum depression is that you should still feel some hope, right? It's like, okay, there is light at the end of the tunnel. I'm feeling like some, some upset, some big emotions, but I still feel like that, that hopefulness. Whereas with postpartum depression, there's that lack, that lack of hopefulness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's a huge distinction that I think we need to create this atmosphere about parenting. I know um, I'm actually going to record a video today about what happened this week with my daughter. My daughter has been sick with like a hundred, hundred one fever. Now my wife is sick. My son is sick with all fevers. I'm probably next. So, um, talk to you tomorrow and see, uh, yeah. how I feel. How you're going. Um, right? It's like just going down the line. It's like, ah, yeah. impending doom is on my way. Um, how that idea of what you just said is so important. The difference between mama blues and sadness and depression or p- yeah. is such a distinctive mm-hmm. thing that is so important to understand the normalcy of emotional yeah. ups and downs ups and, and it down. not mean that something is severely wrong, but that you are just a human trying to function. Trying to adjust to bringing a child into the world, to the hormone shifts, to the sleep deprivation, right? Yeah. Uh, and for you, you know, in, in the world of like perinatal and postpartum work, what are some of the myths that you see out there that are really unhealthy or maybe, you know, because social media is a great tool as, as you've seen from your, your platform, right? All yeah. of a sudden, you have, you know, a few thousand followers and over COVID, you now have over 200,000 followers, you know, creating such an atmosphere of knowledge, education, compassion, and care for people going through this stage, but there's also a lot of misinformation and, mm-hmm. and just people talking with no, mm-hmm. with no expertise or licensure or even knowledge about what they're talking about. What are some of those things that you see that are maybe not the mm-hmm. best things that people are watching when it comes to postpartum perinatal for their care? Yeah. And I mean, there, there are so many different ones that target moms, right? And a big one that I think everybody thinks of is like breast is best, right? That belief that if I don't breastfeed, then my child isn't going to be as smart, then my child isn't going to measure up that I've failed as a parent. And I've seen people that push themselves like to the brink of breakdown to try to breastfeed. Mm-hmm. to continue with their sleep deprived they're like pumping it like all unreasonable hours multiple times a day to try to make something work that is really taking a toll on their mental health and chelsea her example is just oh so so raw she had no choice she couldn't breastfeed because baby was so so early she just wasn't 
producing. So she had to exclusively pump. So she was pumping every two hours for weeks and months Whoa. on end at it. She's like, it <laughs> basically like broke my sanity because beyond the stress of pumping and the stress of having a baby in your in the NICU, which I mean, they knew he was going to survive, but they weren't sure of the consequences of that, that the stress level of that, like mentally broke her and then she did a lot of like her own work of it's okay to let go it's okay to use formula it's okay to do this for for my mental health right and having a baby that is medically compromised just adds that layer of I need to do more and I need to try harder so her story is like the the perfect example of the pressure that women put on themselves to breastfeed, even when it's not going to work, even when it's not like mentally sustainable. Yeah. And I, and I think that's such a, a beautiful thing. I know that my wife, uh, my son, my daughter was super easy Yeah, and, and like she slept four to five hours uh, from the mm. beginning, like a blessing. Yeah. My son rocked our world. He slept on our chests for yeah. the first 12 weeks because he has tongue tie issues Mm-hmm. And he could he had at reflux and he couldn't swallow well. Oh, so at night he was yeah. going guh, guh, for hours. So yeah. I slept with him from 9 p.m. to 2 a.m. on my chest on a couch for the first 12 weeks of his life. Like it was breaking us. And wow. even now he's nine months old. He doesn't take a bottle. And it's just this very demanding yeah. thing. And, you know, I find it so interesting, especially in social media and especially the world of parenting. How people put this great face on. Like, look how amazing it is. Like, oh, parenting, parenting, parenting. Yeah. And someone posts a very vulnerable and they, it, they're like, oh my gosh, you're so courageous. But that's what everyone's going through every day. Parents across the world are struggling, crying, um, overwhelmed, um, scared, stressed. So, mm-hmm. so how, how do you and the platform and the work that you do, how do we create a better conversation about that normalcy? Yeah. And that's something that we strive to do with, with our posts and with our content, right? And some of our most popular posts are ones about mom burnout, mom rage, uh, postpartum anxiety, intrusive thoughts, right? you can always look and see like who, who is liking it, who is sharing it, who is like taking like all of their friends, right? Because it hits that nail. We had a Mm -hmm. a real, I can't remember which one, but it was high functioning anxiety, mom burnout. Like which ones are the ones that people resonate with? It's the ones that target that overwhelm, that sensory overload, that rage, that like feeling like you're just at the end of your rope and you have like nothing else to give. We want to share that, encourage people, you know what, take a friend that needs to see that so they know they're not alone, right? Mm -hmm. Just sharing that content just normalizes that like yeah people go through this right because often we see social media and you see people with their perfect like white kitchens and their kids that are 
coordinated outfits and everybody looks happy and their hair and makeup are done. And it's like, it it just fuels this comparison trap, even for myself. I'm like, oh, how did she do? Oh yeah. It's social media. It's a glimpse of a second in time. And who knows what happened before? Who knows what happens afterwards? But it can really fuel that comparison trap for moms that are in that vulnerable period where they're like, my house is a disaster. I'm looking like a disaster. <laughs> Everything's a disaster. So what what does it fuel? That I'm not good enough feeling. So when you post content that it's like, yeah, this this is like mom rage. This is mom burnout. People are like, okay, this this does happen to I, other I lo- people too. I love that you said that idea of of uh, of that comparison of like. Oh my gosh, my kids wearing you know mismatched socks or they're dirty or <laughs> yeah. like you know after a meal it's like and your kitchen's done and you're just so tired and people post like these videos of this perfection and you're like what am I doing wrong? Exactly. It fuels that belief that what but am I doing wrong? You're just surviving. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny that growing up before having kids, it, to me in my mind it was like this idea of Oh yeah, kids are so easy, and, and life is so easy, and, and, and oh, it's wonderful, and they'll listen, and and it'll. Be, I don't know what, who, where, I don't know where I got that from, you yeah. know, because it's just a ridiculous concept. But it's like the movies, the TV, the the social media. What we see on the outside looks so great and curated, and like yeah, so smooth, buttoned up. It's so buttoned yeah. up and smooth. So for someone who's going through the postpartum, mm-hmm. right? What are some signs or things that they should pay attention to, as well as how to help someone move through that stage of where they're at? Mm-hmm. So there's a couple a couple things that come to mind. And knowing that, yes, for those first few weeks, you're you're gonna feel off, right? You're going to be, you know what, maybe crying for no reason, maybe feeling like sad, a little bit of that identity shift. Who am I? Right. But the biggest thing is that you should start to feel like yourself again over the next month, right? You should be looking forward to things. That low mood should subside if you continue to feel not like yourself, if you're not finding a lot of hope, right? A lot of joy in the things that you normally would, then that can be signs of some postpartum depression. And then alternatively, postpartum anxiety, like I said, there's normal mom anxiety, parent anxiety, but then there's anxiety where it's like, I'm not even going out for walks. I'm not driving. I'm not leaving my house. I'm not feeding my child. Like if they're six months or older, like, Anything that's not like totally like chopped up and pureed, right? If there's anxiety about, okay, my child's a year now and I'm still afraid to feed them like more solid foods, right? Things that like are interfering with your everyday life, then then it would be time to like, okay, maybe I need some more support from a perinatal trained therapist or or a mom therapist group, right? Seeking out some professional support would be the biggest step there. Sorry, uh, you talk a lot about um, on your website and all the things about mom rage and burnout. Mm-hmm. I don't think a lot of people 
you know, back up a little bit. I have ADHD. My brain just went seven places. Yeah. You know, when someone is anxious or someone's overwhelmed, we tend to react a lot quicker. Uh, my wife uses this terminology of my tank is low, right? Yeah. Where they're just at, you're running on empty, mm-hmm. right? And you're just, you're not able to handle as much as stimulus or overwhelmed kids nagging you, bothering you, mommy, daddy, where are you? Okay. Whining, crying, yelling, screaming, and you react, yeah. right? So that, 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 like that rage or that intensity is just an ability. It doesn't make you a bad mom or dad. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. makes you a reactive person that is just at their end. And yeah. I don't think a lot of people understand burnout or how to take care of themselves during burnout or to get back to a state of better being, whatever that is for each person, right? Absolutely. So what are those steps or what can people do, one, to not attack themselves so much when they react? Um, how do we recover and, and, and repair with our kids when we do that? Mm-hmm. And what are those steps we can take to kind of get out of burnout? Yeah. And I think number one is self-compassion, knowing that not every parent has, has lost it at one point or another. But the biggest thing is that people worry. They're like, oh my gosh, I yelled. Did I ruin my child? No, of course not. But repair, apologize. It doesn't have to be some big elaborate thing, but it's like, you know what? I'm sorry I yelled. You didn't deserve that. Mommy's going to take a big deep breath next time. Right? Just apologize. It teaches your kids that apologies are normal, that they deserve apologies, and that they can like apologize to somebody that maybe they hurt their feelings. Right? So self-compassion, just repair. Maybe it's like a hug. Maybe it's something like, you know what? That that kind of made you feel a little bit scared, right? Acknowledging that, you know what, that wasn't great. And then the next step, it's like, okay, what, what needs need to be met for you? So we like to do a needs check. It's like, have you ate? Have you had anything to drink? Do you need to like splash some cold water on your face, right? When you feel that you're, that rage is bubbling up or your tank is just so, so low, you're running on fumes, right? What, what is something, what is one thing that you can do for me? Like I get really, not hangry, but I get like this angry when I get thirsty. <laughs> so I always need to have like water because that's a big, it's a big trigger for me. Oh yeah, absolutely. Huge. If I don't have water easily accessible, it like gives me anxiety. So I'm like, okay, I need to go have a drink of cold water. Maybe you're really hungry. Maybe you haven't eaten in like four hours, right? Maybe you feel like kind of like, oh, gross. Maybe you need to change your clothes. Sometimes that's just what people need to just, oh, I need to just like move my body, get out of this like gross shirt, right? What are some small things that you can do to shift those emotions, right? When you're starting to feel at the end of the tank, when you're starting to feel that, oh, rage building up. Maybe you need to like sit in the bathroom and read a magazine for five minutes, right? Maybe you need to throw on a a TV show, right? And that goes back to like, hey, 20 minutes of TV is not going to ruin your child. That kind of goes back to that, that guilt of like, this is what I need to do to get a break for 20 minutes. Yeah, you know, uh, that was a, a hard pill to swallow. You know, in the when my daughter comes home from school, we put on like... 
something educational, like whatever, Sesame yeah. Street, Disney, I don't, I, whatever, something cartoonish to keep her yeah. distracted so that we can get dinner ready. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Just so mm-hmm. that everyone has food. Because yeah. I have a nine month old who also needs our attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? So it's just so interesting. This happened. I'm going to talk about this on, on my platform, but I, I want to just, you know, you know, talk it out about now is, you know, when my daughter being sick this, this week, I was, I don't know what day it is right now. It's a little tired, you know, tired. So I don't yeah. know what day it is. One morning at four o'clock, my daughter woke up. She's screaming, mm. daddy, daddy. Right. Which I dreamed of hearing that, right. Of, of calling yeah. my name. I go yeah. to her room and she goes, okay, daddy, it's time to get up and play. <laughs> and I said, I call her my love. I go, my love, my little lady. It's still dark outside. Yeah. But open the window and show her it's dark outside. And she screamed, like through a, a fit yeah. that I've never experienced. <laughs> no, it's not. I'm not looking. It's light outside. And I'm like, Rick, I'm like, Rickster, it's not. It's dark. Yeah. No, scream, try to convince me that I'm seeing wrong. Yeah, you're wrong. <laughs> right? So I said to her, I said, I need to leave. the And she was screaming at me. I mean, totally not yeah. herself. Yeah. She's not feeling well. She has fever. She's just, and I left the room. Went into my bedroom. My wife, as I was coming into the room, my wife was leaving the room to go, you know, without me asking because she was like very aware of the, you know, what was was going on. (laughs) I got into bed and I cried. Mm. I cried because a part of me wanted to scream and yell at her. Yeah. Right. A part of me as a parent was like, stop it. You're being ridiculous and scream and power and, and I know better. So to to control and to keep it together and calm and collected took every part of my being. And when I got back to the room, I just had to release it of Absolutely. such frustration. And the reason I'm telling the story is not for pity, not for, it's to normalize. Parenting is the hardest thing. It tests you every moment. And it doesn't mean you're a bad parent because you think your child is annoying mm-hmm. or frustrating right now. But sometimes we get so trapped in the negative loop that, oh my gosh, I'm such a terrible parent. I'm, I hate my kids. I'm frustrated with my kids. I'm annoyed at my kids. I've never hated my kids, right? But right. people do. And that's okay. Yeah. Moments. You don't like they're how they're acting. Hard moments. Right? There are low moments of parenting. And no one talks about it. No. That's why I love you guys. You guys are just such amazing voice of normalcy because postpartum happens every parent in some way. Absolutely. It doesn't have to look like the movies or TV or your friends, mothers, sisters, dogs reaction that they sit in bed and can't get out or they're crying every day. Postpartum is a very personalized thing. You know, I will say my wife is a courageous, strong woman and, and thank God she, if I didn't have her, my kids would be dead. Right. Cause she fed them. So, yeah. you know, like, and, and she's an amazing human being and I, and I truly appreciate everything she does for us and, and for the kids. She's wonderful. And she never had postpartum classically. Mm-hmm. There were just days where she's like, I cannot do this. Yeah. I just can't Ellie. I can't. Yeah. That's postpartum. Absolutely. But it's not the crying in bed in the, you know, in the bathtub curled up in the corner. Yeah. It's not, you know what, the inability to do everyday life. It's like, I have to, I do not want to right yeah. now. It's one of those days. So, so, and I think, you know, and, and, I, and I would love to hear your thoughts on this, like the importance of support and a, and like a community. 
right? Absolutely. Right. Having a community makes makes all the difference, right? Knowing that, okay, I can go scroll to this page and kind of see what they're up to, see what they're talking about, go on their posts and feel like not, not alone. And I mean, even just to kind of digress for a moment, I lost my grandma through six weeks ago, whom I like love dearly with all my heart. And it just affected me in, in so many ways. And I felt so, so lost. But what, what I did is that I, I reached out to to another community, a grief community. So I found a podcast. I found an Instagram page and like just scrolling through their posts, reading the comments. It's like, oh, people do experience this. I'm not alone. So just community, right? That feeling of like, I'm not the only one that's going through this. Like this is a hard thing that everybody goes through it can really shift that that mindset and that feeling mm-hmm. of loneliness thanks so much for sharing that you know i lost my grandmother years ago my daughter's named after my grandmother Aww. so uh if you ever need to talk i yeah, uh absolutely. i got your back you. um you know the last question i have and you know as someone who's been in this world of postpartum perinatal you you and chelsea are just doing unbelievable work what has been a common theme that you've seen specifically the last couple of years of parents and what, like, what's the cry for help? Like what's, what's the stuff that keeps coming up that, that you keep working with or working on or helping for that, that we can kind of create this, this, this voice or this narrative that it's happening. Yeah. I would think what, what we see that parenting in, in a digital age is hard, right? When we think of our our parents, they actually had to pick up the rotary phone and call their friend to see what they were having for for lunch or for breakfast or what activity they were doing with their kids or not doing with their kids. Now you pick up your phone and you are hit with information overload, the comparison trap, seeing what all of your friends or (laughs) not so friendly friends are, are doing. Right? And it's dealing with information overload and the comparison trap. That's that's what we see a lot from from parents in in this day and age because it just mm-hmm. it's different than it was twenty years ago. There's more information. There's more things to to source out. Right. Mm-hmm. There's just more opportunities to look and think like, what am I doing wrong? Why is this so much easier for all of these people? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when it comes down to it, how can a partner give mm-hmm. support to the other person, whether it's the father or the mother, right? Because like I said before, it happens to all parents. Yeah. What are mm-hmm. some of the supportive things that we can do for our people who are struggling? Mm-hmm. Whether it's a friend, whether it's, you know. Yeah. And. One of the biggest things that I I see from moms in my practice is that they just want to feel heard by their partners. And like, I just want you to listen. Or I I just want you to be here. Sit with me. You don't have to like problem solve and make it better, but I just need you, you here. Right? It's to feel heard and and validated. Mm-hmm. Right? 
And what are some of the, the things that someone can say to create that atmosphere for someone to feel heard? Because sometimes I think something that I've noticed as a therapist is validation is one of the hardest things that we don't really learn as much. Yeah. So what are some of the validating things that we can give to someone who's struggling in a very dark, low place as a mother, as a father? Mm -hmm. One thing that I I love and I love it when my partner says it to me, it's like, I appreciate you so much. Thank you for what you're doing. Like, I know, I know this isn't easy, but we love you so much and we appreciate you so much. It doesn't have to be this big complex line, but just letting your partner know how much you love them and, and appreciate them. So important. Gratitude and appreciation is something that, you know, when my daughter was first born, we didn't do very well. It was one of the hardest years of our marriage because we were just at each other's throats trying to survive. Yeah. Just trying to survive. Survive Mm -hmm. That anniversary was we had a massive, you know, like a heart to heart conversation. And the Mm -hmm. biggest thing that's changed since then has been the small appreciations. Yeah. That, you know, like, thanks for doing the laundry. Oh, I saw you do that. Thank you so much. Oh, I appreciate you getting up in the middle of the night. Even when my wife gets up in the middle of the night and I, you know, I wake up, I hear my son crying. I'm not deaf. Right. So I turn over, I go, thanks, babe. Love you. Right. Just that quick, easy response. And the same thing for me, right. She does it for me. So I don't feel so alone that I get resentful or frustrated or annoyed or down or, or, or angry at my kids or my wife for doing so much, but she's doing just as much, probably even more than I ever will as a parent. And those little reminders that I see you, those acknowledgements, it can make the biggest difference. Anyone listening who's struggling, seeing someone to be seen. You mentioned before that you live in the same area as Jodi Carrington, right? Her biggest Mm -hmm. thing is, I think she's coming out with a book about being seen, right? Being seen as a parent, being seen as a human, not just defined as a parent, but as a person, that is like the biggest thing that can pull someone out of a dark place. A hundred percent. And we were, um, I think I have a reel coming out tomorrow, the day after, but just talking about resentment and how 67% of, of new parents report that drastic decline in marital satisfaction following the birth of their first child. And it's like, okay, we know that's a huge stat. What, what can we do mm. about that? But being seen is huge and it can prevent that, that resentment from rearing its ugly head. Caitlin, thank you so much. I'm sure you have a very busy schedule and uh, all these amazing things that you're doing. Where can people find more information? And before you get to that, I always like to ask this last question to anyone who's listening, who has not listened to anything till this point, um, what would be one or two things that you would hope parents listening would take away from any of your knowledge that you haven't had a chance to say, or you would like to repeat? Yeah. The biggest thing is that it's okay to struggle. Everybody struggles. That's the one common thing that humans all have in common. Everybody struggles and parenthood is hard and you're not going to get it right. But that's okay. Mm. Mm. I love that. So where can people find you? Where can they reach out to you and find out more information? A book coming out, Mm -hmm. right? Yes. Classes or courses you give. 
Yes. We are on Instagram, just at Mama Psychologist. We're now on TikTok, at Mama Psychologist, too. We do have a, a membership platform where we have all of our workshops and courses available for one um, price a month. And we have a sale on in January. So this will be perfect timing, New Year's sale. And we also have a book um, called Not Your Mother's Postpartum Book coming out January 17th. So this touches on a lot of the things that we talked about. So postpartum, uh, mental health, boundaries, social support, romantic relationships, the comparison trap, burnout, um, birth trauma, body image, so many things. So we really wanted it to be like a one-stop shop for the postpartum mom. And it's like, you don't have to read it front to back, but if it's like, you know what, I'm really struggling with boundaries right now. So go to the boundaries chapter. I'm really struggling with my partner right now. Go to the relationships chapter. So we're so excited for that. It has been, oh my gosh, it'll be almost two years in the making. It's such, it was wow. such a long process, but so worth it. Wow. Thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. I would love to talk to you for like hours about all those different layers of like the boundaries and the relationship that we do not have time to get to. There's just a taste of, of, of your, of your amazing knowledge and all the amazing things you guys do. So thank you so much for being on the show. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much to listening to this week's episode of the dude therapist. And it only is happening because of you, the listeners tuning in every week, even twice a week to this show, all about mental health relationships and wellness topics. And really let's be honest, everything in between. And I'm so excited to show up every time and having great guests. So thank you. And if you have any questions, concerns, ideas, collaborations, email me at the dude therapist at gmail.com. Follow me on Instagram at the dude therapist. Let me know what you're thinking. Let me know your ideas. I can't wait to hear from you. And if you can go along, subscribe, rate, review on all the streaming sites that you're listening on. I truly appreciate it because that's what make this thing happen. So thanks for tuning in this week. And see you next time on the Dude Therapist Podcast, because we've got more guests and more great content coming your way.